Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to see each and every one of you here and appreciate you being here so much. Chris and Janelle, we are just happy you're here with your family and appreciate you being here. And I'd like to say I'm so happy that Gordon and Ken and my beautiful sister-in-law, Ida, is here. And I've sat and listened while these two scholars have discussed the Bible in my presence. And so I decided, what do I preach today? And I'm going to preach a very simple lesson. They talk in such deep language that I'm going to try to get them to understand simple things. But we're so happy they're here. And I just want to say to the congregation very quickly, I want to compliment you. You have been so kind to me, and you're kind to everybody that is, is having problems. And you are one of the friendliest congregations in the world. I don't think anybody can go away and say that they did not feel welcome here. And so I wanted to compliment you upon that and say I'm proud of you and recognize that we have our problems here in the congregation. But all in all, you're a great bunch of people. I want to talk with you today for a little while on childlikeness. I want you to turn just quickly. Well, you don't even have to turn anywhere. Just look at the board. In Luke, the 18th chapter, verse 15 through 17, he says, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belong the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whosoever, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And then over in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1 through 3, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And then over in James, the fourth chapter, verse 7 through 10, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I want you to notice that these passages all say that God wants us to be humble, that we are to walk in a humble way. And as we look at this, I want you to see that he says, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. And then as you go a little further, he has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And that's Micah 6 and verse 8. And then if you'll notice something, it says, at that time Jesus declared that, thank you, Father, Lord and heaven and, uh, of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Matthew 11, 25 and 26. 
And as you go a little further, we find that what was read today in Philippians, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus becomes the one that we are going to try to copy in every way. In Matthew, the 18th chapter, and this is what was read in your hearing. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine this boy or this little child coming and later on sitting with his grandchildren as he's older and say, Jesus called me to him and gave me as an example to the adults. I tell you, that would be something to tell your grandchildren, wouldn't it? To have them know Jesus in the way and to all of a sudden say, this is what God, Jesus did to me. And as you look at that, I want you to recognize that we can learn a lot from watching children. And that's what I want to talk with you about today. Learning from these little children as we watch them in the humble ways that they go about things. The characteristics of children. A child, and there is a starting point, and here's the starting point. Get little. Do you realize how big that man looks? And you know, as you look at that, have you ever decided, I don't know how many of you have ever been away from the city lights, out in the country, and look up at the heavens. When you look up there, just lay on your back, and you can imagine like David in the Old Testament, laying there and looking up at the sky. And you actually say, God, what is it about me that you're mindful of man? Or the son of man, and that you even visit, what do you care about man? I'm so little. And it's under that great expanse that we realize just how little we are. And that's a good place to start. That's the place that we ought to start in everything that we do is I am little, God, and I need you to guide me. I need you to help me. Pick me up because I can't walk properly. Pick me up because I don't see straight. Pick me up in such a way that I can see, and God will do it. Children love to be like their parents. Have you ever noticed that? I, I want you to see something. I didn't put this up to be humorous. I put it up for a reason. This is an awful picture, isn't it? But you know, there's a lot worse things, and that is our children pick up our temperaments. Our children pick up our anger. Our children pick up how we treat their mother. Our children pick up the attitudes that we have. And the children pick up our attitudes towards God and towards the church. So I put that up there as a shock value to say, you know what? And I can remember my son looking at his dad. I can remember him looking at his dad. I can remember what happened to him. I want to think for just a little while about what we can learn from these children. 
First of all, a child is impeccably honest. Oh, I love that. I can remember my son, Larry, as we walked along, one day we saw a woman and she had kind of a crooked nose and she looked a little different and he said, Daddy, is that a witch? <laughs> and I had to teach him that you do not say everything that comes into your mind. And I can remember so well Jordan when we'd get ready to go to church. I hate going to church. Just right out there, and he would just blare it out. I just hate going to church. Now, he's better than most church members that hate going to church. He just put it out there that he hated going to church, and we knew that, but he went anyway. It didn't matter. Now, I see today that they're asking these little children whether it's all right to change their diaper. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to ask a child that. They, they know that they're going to have to do it if you raise them correctly. And I walked in on John one time in a room, and it was so weird. I don't know how many of you remember that they had what was called the solid gold dancers. And John was looking, and I said, what in the world are you looking at? And he said, Dad, that's the woman I want to marry. <laughs> And he found her, he said. You know, a preacher went one time, and he had met this family before. In fact, they saw each other every few months. But he went, and the little boy in the family grew attached to the preacher, and the preacher grew attached to him. And his name was Jimmy. And Jimmy wanted to help the preacher in every way. And he would carry the preacher's Bible or whatever thing, and he would just ask the preacher, what, what can I do? And the last day that the preacher was there, somebody had given him, a the preacher, a basket of fruit. And so he took Jimmy over and he said, Jimmy, I want you to have this fruit. And Jimmy took the fruit and they said goodbye. And the little boy even cried because the preacher was leaving. But he was going to see him later, and so he reconciled himself. But when the preacher got home, he received a letter from Jimmy. And here's what it said. Dear preacher, don't you like that? Don't you like how they just throw it out there? Dear preacher, I like the fruit you gave me. You are the best person I ever knew. I have fun with you. I will come to see you. I like you. Do you like me? Answer yes or no. Come and see me sometime, and I like you very much. This summer I will see you. By the way, could you pay me for helping you? Aren't children wonderful? Children can teach you so much. One of the things that we learn from these children is we as Christians learn, need to learn to really be honest. To just get honest with everybody. And do you know where the starting place of that is? It's with us. We need to be honest with ourselves. 
And we need to be able to say what's really on our heart. How many times have you just sat down with your wife and said, you know, honey, I love you. How many times have you sat with another member and said, you know what, I love you. I love Mary. She came to me not a couple of Sundays ago and she kissed me on the cheek and she said, Mason, come here. And I went over and she said, let me get that sugar off your face before your wife sees it. <laughs> ah, isn't that great? It's great to have those things going on in your life. We are the only people that can give direction to those outside of the Lord. We are the people that we ought to be able to say, to say can I talk with you about the Lord? Can I have a conversation with you? I want to hear what you have to say about your religion, and let's study the Word of God, because I want you to escape the snares of the world. Be honest with yourself. You know, over in 1 Corinthians 3, 18, he says, Let no one deceive himself. If any among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. And that becoming a fool is recognizing me in comparison to God, and I want God to teach me. I want to be honest about myself. He further says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I wonder how many people really daily think about the sin in their life, the sins that they have committed. I have never made it a day that I didn't have a wrong thought or something like that. But one of the things that I want to know is can I see myself through the eyes of God? Now, we can take that in two directions. Number one, if you don't see in the, from the eyes of God, you will get to thinking you're too important. But also, you can get to thinking you're not important enough. You can look and you can recognize that God sent His Son to die for you, and that makes you important. But also, you recognize, I know so little. I've listened to these two men talk, and most of the time I know what they're talking about, Sometimes they get a little deep for me. But as I listen to them, I recognize something. In the whole scheme of things, they know very little. Because God has such a wide, there's so much study there. And the, the great thing is, us small minds, we can study. These great minds can study. And we're both learning. We're learning, learning. I share with you, you share with me, and that's the one thing that God has. You don't have to be too important. If you're great, the Apostle Paul had a great mind, and he was used. Peter did not have that great of a mind, and God used him. God uses everybody. He uses you and the talents you have. God says you can, you can learn. The next thing I want to notice is that children are very forgiving. How do children fight? Have you ever noticed how children fight? Oh, I love the way children fight. I can remember when I was growing up, there was a fellow that was my best friend. His name was Jackie Mooney. And he lived right next door to me. And I'm going to tell you, Jackie Mooney and I, we played together. And then on Saturday morning, after we got our, our, our chores done, we would get to play for a little while. And inevitably, every Saturday, we got in a fight. Every Saturday. And sometimes even a fist fight. 
And boy, we were never going to speak each, to each other again. And then one o'clock came, and both of us forgot all about the fight, put our arms around each other, had our quarters to go to the movie, and we could go to see a double feature. And we never brought up the fight again until the next Saturday. <laughs> and that's the way it ought to be in the church. That's the way it ought to be in the church. Do we get miffed at one another? Absolutely. I've got miffed at John before, but I never gave him to somebody else. I'll tell you what, loving each other is the place that the church, you don't have to be too brilliant to really love. And these children give themselves so, they have a sense of honor that's above themselves. And they defend their friends with no grudges. Uh, my parents used to warn me about Jackie Mooney because he was a tough little guy. But, you know, I would defend him all the time. Emotions are short-lived. Do you remember what he says in Matthew 6, 12 through 14? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I can't forgive you because that's the way I am. Or is I can't forgive you is because that's the way I've become. I can forgive you because God forgave me. And if you knew the things that I had done in my past, as I've told you before, you would hang me 10 times over. But God forgave me of all that. And I ought to be able to forgive you. That's one of the things why people do not talk with each other about the problems that they're having is they don't trust you. We ought to be trustable. We ought to be to where you can talk with me. It ought to be where we can have confidence that what we say with each other is not going to go any further and that we love each other enough that we accept each other with all of our faults and instead of condemning, we try to help you <laughs> overcome the problem. Isn't that true? And then if you notice, in Colossians 3, 12 and 13, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. All I have to do is look at me and the Lord, and then I can see you. That's one of the problems the Jews had. The Jews say, oh, he's over here sacrificing a lamb, and I always knew he was a sinner. I always knew that. They forgot why they were sacrificing. We can judge the other person for the doing of those things, and we don't see what we have done ourselves. God has forgiven me. I want to forgive you. That should be our attitude in any sin. I want to forgive you. All you need to do is repent and I'll forgive you like that. Get that in your mind. And that was Jesus' attitude on Calvary. And then little children are responsive. Do you realize that children want to please their parents? They just want to please. I can remember Larry, my son, 
and the other kids feeling sorry for him and the other parents feeling sorry for him, but I didn't care whether they felt sorry for him or not. But we had to dig a sewer ditch and Larry was the guy that was going to dig it. I don't remember how old he was, around 12 years old, I suppose. He was about 12 years old. Do you remember that, John? And he, every afternoon, he'd come home from school, and he would have to dig that ditch. The other kids were playing. He had to dig the ditch. And they said, poor Larry, poor Larry. But you know what? He learned to work. And he learned he did that because he wanted to please his father. Shouldn't that be our attitude with our God? That whatever it is, it may be hard, and it may be strenuous, but it pleases God. That's the main thing. Jesus said, I do always those things that please the Father. That should be our attitude towards our God. And children teach us that. When you look, if you notice, those kids, when they're out, they'll say, don't do that. Why not? Because daddy said so. That's why, that's why you don't do it. Does it make any sense to them? Not always. There's some things God says to me that I, I don't understand fully, but he says it to me, and by faith I can take it and I can practice it. And I can believe it. And they're responsive to do right and wrong because of the parents. This is how we ought to react. And he sent me, sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And then... Children have a trusting, abiding faith. A child completely trusts their parents. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, and we need to learn this. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Do you remember when you was a child how you used to worry about whether you were going to eat or not? I don't remember that. They were just supposed to provide it. Right? Every night I'd come home and I'd sit down at the table and I didn't think too much about it, but dad had worked, mom had worked, and there the food was. And I didn't say, oh, I wonder whether I'm going to starve to death. I just knew somehow or another we were going to eat. Look at the birds in the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to this span of life? I wish I'd have really learned this when I started out in my marriage. 18 years old, didn't know anything, and I used to worry about whether we were going to be able. Then we decided we're going to have a kid. And then we decided, and you know what? We didn't have any money. But God always provided. And we teach our children that. He goes on and says, Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They need their toil and their spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, 
Will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? That child, they do not worry about those things. This is the great thing that we need to learn. And when you're angry with your children, have you noticed they say, spank me, whatever you do, just don't be mad at me anymore. And that is an attitude we ought to get with God and ourselves. Have you ever noticed that kids trust their father to chase away the ghosts? And those ghosts are real. They're in the closet. And they're scared to death at night of those, that closet's got ghosts in it and they know it. And the ghosts are under the bed and they know that. And there's all kinds of giants around and, and all dad has to do is open the door and all of a sudden we kill those ghosts. He looks under the bed and we kill the ghost. Do you think in this that we teach our children that there's going to be giants in their life that come up and they're going to be real and they're going to try to hurt you. But with God, we can take the five smooth, smooth stones and kill them every time. God is with us. And when I get that attitude in me, then there's nothing I'm afraid of. You know, I, I realize how many times do people say, well, I wonder what the church members will think. You know, I don't care. If I'm doing what's right, I really don't care what the church members think. We worry too much about others and what they think. We worry about causing offense to the church. Offense is against Christ, and it will affect the church. But one of the things that we're trying to do is learn that we can kill any enemy through Christ. My son, John, I told you this before, but I'll tell you again. Because some of my stories are well worth repeating. It's like, <laughs> like uh, Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. The first time you hear it, you don't hear it very well. And then the more you hear it, you'll like it better. <laughs> but I realized at an early age that I had over-religionized him. Heard him crying in the night. And I went in and I said, son, what is the matter? And he was just shaking. And he said, dad, I'm scared the Holy Ghost is going to get me. And I thought, well, we need to teach this a little bit better. Maybe we had been misunderstood in teaching. Now, I was not a member of the church then, but I was in a denomination. And very seldom did we ever use Holy Spirit, we used Holy Ghost. And that's kind of a scary sound, and it needs to be explained to our children. That's one of the things we don't do. And do you realize that those children depend upon the providence of God every day, and they don't even realize it? Every day they get up and they just expect the sun to be shining. Every day they get up and say, you know what, there's something to discover out there. Do you remember when you were a child, one of the great things about being a child, a day took a long time. Today, it goes very fast. 
But a child, they're discovering things all day. And all of those discoveries, as they pick up that worm, as they pick up that butterfly, as they, as they go along and find a stone that's special, and seeing all of these things and trying something new and building their clubhouses and all of these things, they finally come around to where they can say honestly, man, that was a long day. That was a long day, and look at what God showed us. And when you get older, you seem to lose that. All we have to do is look around and teach the children. I wish we could get back to this, teaching the children that what you see physically, we need to interpret spiritually. I hope you get that. That when I look at the tree, what is that tree made out of? Well, it's made out of wood. No, look deeper. What's it made out of? Why? It's made up of atoms. Well, what about in the atom? When you get down to the tiniest particle and you open it up, what's it made of? Nothing. God made out of nothing what we see. It all goes back, the butterfly, from God. If we can just walk with our children and tell them, I want you to see. I want you to see, really see, and to see Jesus the way that he wanted to be seen. Have you noticed even when they have fever, children want to play. They're not afraid of death. They just, we're here to play. And God wants us to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy all the things that we have about us. I don't have to worry about dying anymore because Christ died and was resurrected. And we ought to play in his field, and I don't mean play like you ordinarily think, but enjoy the things that God has given us in this world as we approach him and recognize Man, this is wonderful. This is wonderful because with all of the ugliness around us, there is an awful lot of beauty and we need to appreciate it. What have we said? What we said was really get very small. That's the starting place. And when you're small, you recognize you need help. And until then, you will not depend upon the Lord. We need to imitate Jesus because Jesus is showing us the Father. He declared unto us his name. And declaring unto us his name, he said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when I see Jesus, I'm going to imitate him. And when I do that, I am imitating God. Be honest. You know, honesty is something that we are losing very fast. If we're honest with one another, we can say very definitely, I want to help you because I see your problem or I want to compliment you because I see how you're growing. That's what we ought to do with one another. And be forgiving. Don't hold all these grudges. How many people are letting somebody else control their life? You ever think of that? That whenever I won't forgive, that person is controlling my life. 
And then be responsive. God says, this is what I want you to do. And I say, I want to please you, God. And have great faith. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have all of this, you have a relationship with God. And if you have a relationship with God, then you're one of his children. And you're going to heaven because you're trying. And you're trying to please God. If you're here today and you have never obeyed the gospel of Christ, do you believe that God loves you so much that he gave his son to die upon the cross of Calvary? His only son. And you're worth that to him. And believing that, that you believe that Jesus Christ is truly the son of God, and as Gordon said this morning, you believe it with all of your heart. Because if you don't believe it with all your heart, you don't believe it. And then that causes you to repent. That is change your mind about who's going to direct your life and let the Lord take control of the steering wheel. And then confess that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of the living God. Be baptized for the remission of sins as you enter into the death of Christ where he shed his blood and the blood of Christ takes away your sins. Won't you come while together we stand and sing?